Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Monica, you are out in Portland right now covering Feast. How is the PDX going for you right now? Uh, it's pretty busy and pretty hard to cover for one person, but um, it's just wall-to-wall food, morning, noon, night. Um, and at night, I just come back and I do my pictures and really can't wait to come home. Yeah, it's been four days of coverage. It looks busy. I've been seeing all the stories. looks crazy. Man, you guys have been running around everywhere eating everything what's been good so far uh my favorite thing believe it or not so far has been a burger and a lobster roll so from the first night i think those were the two that completely stand out but i've been having fun running into some seattle chefs here so that's been fun as well that's great that's great um out here i've been holding down the fort in seattle it's been crazy uh as well just went to the chinatown international district night market that was crazy I saw you went with a bunch of people and you got, did you get mangosteen wings? Of course I got mangosteen wings. I know. Wings. Yeah. <laughs> Chef Tai was on fire. I mean, everybody, the lines were just so long for mangosteen wings. Mike Shave Ice as well. I mean, that we waited a long time for Mike Shave Ice, but we got that. And just the good time all around. I think we had a fun time. If you haven't checked out Mangosteen's interview with Chef Tai, episode five, and then Mike's episode is 51. So make sure you guys check those out. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast. We are on episode 53. Monica, we, because you're in Portland, we're going to try to get through this pretty briefly because uh, you and I both have some engagements right after this, right? Absolutely. All right. So let's get on to the show. So I'll start with a recap. Monica, at the beginning of this past week, we had the honor to attend our friend Stephanie Four's birthday at Art of the Table. If you haven't checked out Monica's interview with Steph Four, make sure you go back and listen to episode 45. Normally at Art of the Table, you're treated to a tasting menu experience, but we actually all gathered for the bar menu, which is lovingly called Under the Table. Monica, several dishes I thought were outstanding included the beer-battered shishito peppers, charcuterie platter, as well as the Italian street corn for me. Monica, what did you enjoy? I have to say my number one dish was the beer-battered shishito peppers, and everyone at the table loved it so much we ordered two plates of them. Yeah. Those were completely fantastic. I love the shishito peppers as well. The charcuterie platter just had everything like Thai spiced country pate, foie gras torchon, duck prosciutto, to name a few. It was, I just kept eating that. They had a chicken mousse on there too as well. I really like that one. I like it. Normally Art of the Table is like a prefix tasting menu and you're just kind of sitting kind of, I don't know, at the tables and you're watching them all prepare it. But this was a lot of, little bit more informal and I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah, and I've never had the prefix menu, so uh, we we saw people who were dining having that experience. But I did. I thought it was more casual and um, definitely a fun birthday party. Okay, Monica, we have one more recap, so tell us about that one. Well, last week you and I had dinner at Palomino in downtown Seattle, and what a feast. Um, (laughs) I'm all about that watermelon balsamic salad because it had sweet, savory, and a bit of spice, and it was so fresh. And of course, you guys, you know how much I love the watermelon. Oh, let's see. I also love the braised short rib. It was tender and fell apart so easily. And the sausage and mushroom pizza had just the right amount of spice. And I'm always a fan of thin crust. 
Uh, Nelson, we had a lot of food. What were some of your favorites? I, of course, loved the pizza. The pizza was really good with the homemade sausage. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic. I also loved the rigatoni. The rigatoni was really good with the bolognese. It had nice chunks and the cheese, very... Very good. I, I thought the pasta on there was very exceptional. Those are those are probably two of my favorites. Yeah, those are great choices. And can we talk about the customer service? I mean, everyone was so friendly and funny. Yeah, shout out to our server, Bella. She was really awesome, really good. It's a good restaurant in downtown. It's kind of very underrated because you don't really notice it because you're just walking by it, the mm -hmm. city center. And Palomino is, is a good place. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's upstairs, so it's kind of out of the way, so you can't like see a patio outside or anything. But um, if you're in the downtown shopping district, check it out for happy hour or some meals. Monica, like I said, we didn't spend too much time because you had to head out to Feast Portland early in this week. So just a couple of events that we all we got together, but we got some events for you for next week, though. Yeah, we got six of them to talk about. So why don't I go ahead and get started? So yeah. At the beginning of the week, on Tuesday, Monica, who doesn't like happy hour wine and games, right? Yeah, I don't know who, who that would be. <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday, September 17th, Chateau Saint-Michel is extending their happy hour from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. You can enjoy happy hour prices for glasses, bottles, tasting flights, and snacks, and there will be board games on hand. It's called Beat the Geek. I think, I think this is fun. They're, they're extending their happy hour all the way to 7 p.m. Normally, they close a little bit earlier than that. But on Tuesday, you can get out there and get off to work and just get some, get some wine there. Totally. And it's not just wine, guys. It's really good wine. I love Chateau Saint-Michel. Me too. Definitely. Okay, Monica, how about you? What do you got for us? I've got the Fisherman's Fall Festival. So on Saturday, September 21st from 11 to 6, it's the 31st annual, now check that out, 31st annual Fisherman's Fall Festival. And that's going to be at Fisherman's Terminal. And here's the address, guys, 3919 18th Avenue West. So it's been a few years since I've been out there, but you can expect fresh seafood options, including a salmon barbecue, entertainment, and tons of family-friendly activities. I used to go to this event more when my son was younger, but I think it's time to head back for a visit because for me, it's hard to imagine getting fresher seafood than at Fisherman's Terminal. Um, have you ever heard of this event, Nelson? No, this is the first time. Right. When I read the when I read your summary, I was like, "This is I've never heard of the Fisherman's Fall Festival." I know, thirty-one years. That's like mind blowing, but it makes a lot of sense. And you know, I mean, I was just I didn't realize it was that old, having been to it before. Anyway, guys, that sounds like a really fun event uh, to kick off the fall. Nelson, you yes. have some beer to talk about. Yes. Yeah, speaking of fall, we're talking about fall beers. I guess this next week is weekend is all Oktoberfest because I have three Oktoberfest events going on, including the Fremont, Kirkland, and Edmonds Oktoberfest. There's too many breweries to name, so I'm not going to try and list them all of them, Monica. Mm -hmm. For Fremont's Oktoberfest, there's over 100 breweries and tickets for 10 tokens is $30 and $25 for five tokens. If you're going to the Kirkland Oktoberfest out on the east side, there's a weekend pass for $30, which gets you six drink tickets equivalent to three big beers. Or if you don't want to drink that much, $25 for four tickets, which is equivalent to two big beers. And then finally, if you're out north for the Edmonds Oktoberfest, $20 will get you eight tasting tokens and a four ounce tasting glass. Monica, if you're a designated driver or you would like a non-alcoholic general admission, those tickets are also available for a cheaper price as well. There are no excuses whatsoever for not drinking beer this past this weekend. <laughs> no excuses at all. 
for real, like, did you say over a hundred breweries at Fremont? Yeah, that's what they said on the website. Over oh my gosh. Have you ever been to the Oktoberfest in Fremont? It's, it is it's quite big. A <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's big. I don't even know what else to say, but like, I was thinking a hundred breweries. That's amazing. There's a lot to choose from. There's, I mean, I feel like all the breweries from Washington state are just right, are there just pouring. So you can mm-hmm. choose whatever you want. It's, it's really a fun time. I've been there several times. Yeah, definitely worth it if you're going to be out there. I agree. That's an awesome one. Okay, Monica, your second event. Tell us about what, what you got. Well, we all know how much I love ice cream despite the lactose intolerance. <laughs> and Fremont Sunday Market is having an ice cream social pop-up on Sunday, September 22nd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So this is an event that sometimes is in South Lake Union, but this time it's going to be in Fremont. And Nelson, some of our favorite vendors are going to be there, like Sugar and Spoon, Puffle Up, Seattle Pops, Sticky Sweets and Treats, and Susu Rolled Ice Cream. And guys, some of these vendors are going to be off the streets after this event, so be sure to get your fill. And my number one recommendation is ice cream for breakfast to avoid the line. So (laughs) that's what I do for these pop-ups. I'm eating ice cream first thing I get there because I know other people are looking for like brunchy dishes or lunch first. And so I'm, I'm the one who's eating ice cream for breakfast. Sounds like a plan, right, Nelson? Sounds like an awesome plan. (laughs) I actually had susu and sweet sticky sweets and treats last night. So very familiar with them. Susu Mm -hmm. was at the SOU market. Got like a mango in the sky. And then I got the black sesame when I was at the Chinatown International District Market too as well. Love both of those. So yes, yes. Those are two awesome sweet treats. You can go ahead and eat all the ice cream in the morning. I'll, I'll, I'll brunch and then come back. and. <laughs> well, that's true because you don't mind the lines. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the lines. I do need something savory to start off with though for me. All right, Nelson. You know, I've been eating everything why don't you tell us about something that might be a little bit better for my body (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people have different food allergies and diet restrictions and the seattle nourished festival is celebrating and educating those living with gluten-free allergen-friendly or special diet lifestyles on saturday and sunday at the seattle center exhibition hall you get to sample and purchase food products receive coupons and attend educational classes the festival is broken down into five zones gluten-free, nut-free, paleo, keto, and plant-based. Monica, as I'm getting older, I'm noticing that my stomach is starting to be a little bit more sensitive to certain foods, as I've told you personally. Mm -hmm. I no longer have an iron stomach. So to have something like the Seattle Nourish Festival out at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall, I think that's really interesting and kind of a new thing that we're moving towards now these Mm -hmm. days. No, I totally agree. I mean, um, as I've been down here, I haven't really been feeling well because of the variety of food that I've been eating. So I've been trying to make at least one meal, either vegan or vegetarian. And um, that's been helping a little bit, but I'll be happy to get back to normal eating habits. So it sounds like a really great event. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of people now that are gluten-free and nut-free and have other dietary restrictions. I think it's really good to be educated about that, especially mm-hmm. for our foodie world. Like I mentioned, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll have certain meals and I'm just like, I just don't feel good. And I mm-hmm. wonder, am I, am I developing a lactose intolerance, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you're really common with? Or, or you always joke around that I was like, maybe I'm gluten-free and potentially mm-hmm. I might be. So yeah, um, yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, I might need to, I might want to go check it out. And... Yeah, for sure. I mean, you never know. And like, I wasn't lactose intolerant when I was a kid. I just kind of grew into it at a certain age and um, kind of ruined my life a little. <laughs> 
Okay. All right, Monica, finish it off for us. You got one last event to tell us about. Yes. So Palisade is having a fresh cat series. On September 19th, their series will feature Chipino Noir. And you'll get a demo on how to clean and prepare the seafood in this dish with ingredients like cod, clams, mussels, and more. And Chef Brett, we all know Chef Brett from a previous interview, will teach you how to build the perfect broth. And you'll know how to choose the right wine pairing. And so even though I haven't been to one of the Fresh Cat series, um, I went to um, another special series like the Luau one. And I found it really entertaining and a really interesting concept. I mean, I think it's fun when a restaurant does something a little bit different for, you know, regulars or people who have never been there before. Chef Brett Gardner Howell, don't forget, was on episode 48 when we interviewed him for the Palisade event. Mm-hmm. I like these monthly series because, mm-hmm. as he mentioned during the interview, he, he uses it kind of like an R&D, too, just to kind of see if it's a good recipe or not. Does he like using it? And then maybe eventually put it on the menu type of thing or just to, or just something special for, for those guests at Palisade. Yeah, I think it's great. Guys, if you're interested in going, tickets are available on Eventbrite, and it's $92 per person, and that includes gratuity, so you don't have to worry about that. It's all paid for. Okay, Monica, that's pr- we got through that pretty fast. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm patting myself on the back right now. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> Humble brag. Humble brag. All right, we have a fun interview. I love this guy. This guy is awesome. He has the wittiest, wittiest captions. I cannot beat this. I cannot beat this guy. uh, Tell us about our guest today. Today's interview is with Ken Tran, known on Instagram as at Feed the Pudge. Nelson, Ken is one of the OG Seattle food Instagrammers. There are just a handful of them. And like you said, he's well known for his funny and punny captions. (laughs) Here's our interview with Ken. Hey, everybody. We're here today with Ken Tran, who's also known as Feed the Pudge on Instagram. And if you're on Instagram and you follow the Seattle food scene, guaranteed you know who he is. So, Ken, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm so excited because you're one of the bigger influencers that we've had on the list for a long time. Uh, let's get started with your story about how you got started in the Seattle food scene. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's been a while, so I think I started back in August of 2016. And really, it was just a hobby. I was dating a new girl at the time, and honestly, <laughs> we were eating out pretty much every single day, at least once, if not twice a day, over the span of you know four or five months. And uh, we both had cameras from, you know, previous endeavors, and it was just, again, straight up hobby, and we wanted to see how big we could grow our accounts, right? So from August of 2016 to about December of 2016, I took my account from, you know, 250 personal followers to about 4,000 followers, and it kind of just snowballed. And then in February of 2017, uh, that's when it kind of, you know, continued to snowball. I saw that there was an opportunity and left my full-time job and started doing Instagram full-time. That's um, that's way back. I mean, like you, I had a personal account that sort of changed over time. But I think, like with you and a couple of other what we would call OG food <laughs> Instagrammers, you've been around enough to see the changes in like the Instagram generations, right? So really, when we refer to you guys, like there were like a handful of five of you that we've always been watching and looking up to as we learn and grow as well. So you have the benefit and the perspective of like seeing things change. So since then, like how have you seen things evolve over Instagram and the Seattle food scene? Right. And I mean, if we're thinking about just Instagram, I'm sure you've heard it. I've, I'm sure 
influencers all around complained about it a lot, right? But the algorithms changed significantly, right? So I remember when I was around 10,000 followers, I was getting traction between like 1,000 to 1,500 likes per post, you know, very organically. And obviously, a lot of those things are out of our control, so we can't really change it. When I'm thinking about my own personal perspective at Instagram, uh, when I was heavy into it, doing it full time, I was also managing a lot of different restaurant accounts in Seattle. And I felt that my own personal voice had to be very professional. I had to kind of be the voice of the restaurants too, right? So. As I've continued to evolve my own personal account and let more of my personality show, I think that's been the biggest you know, shift for me as far as kind of looking at how I use Instagram, how I approach it, and how I want to connect with mm -hmm. people. Yeah, no, you said a lot just in that little bit. I mean, first of all, talking about the algorithm. And I think, you know, like when people talk to me about my account and why it doesn't grow faster, it's because, well, first of all, I'm not intentionally growing it. That's number one. But number two, it's such a different time. And I'm not going to say it was like super easy when you guys were there to to grow your following, but I think it was definitely different and there were a lot less barriers in place in terms of like Instagram selling, right? So, so that's their whole main goal, selling. Right, and and to that point, it, it was easier to grow, but it's, and I mean, I tell all my friends too, it's like, how'd you do it, right? And it's like, for me, it was just, it took a lot of time. I'm obsessive over things. And for me, I was spending eight to 12 hours a day on Instagram, really engaging with people who are following similar accounts to mine, and then really trying to grow that organically. Mm -hmm. But again, it was just a lot of, you know, behind the scenes things that most people don't, you know, see. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously focusing on having really high quality content is important, mm -hmm. right? But like the back end of it, going in and engaging and, you know, actually commenting and like building that community on the back end just takes a lot of time, but it's mm -hmm. not hard by any means. Mm -hmm. For sure. And you also talked about your personality. I mean, I think you and I are similar in a lot of ways about our personality. There's a lot of things that we do, but one of them is not compromise integrity of who we are um, in terms of how that comes through and how we do our work. I don't know if you wanted to say more about that. I personally love your personality. Thanks. I think it's a little <laughs> bit different. You know, it's a little bit risky and risque at the same time. And it's not conservative because I think for me as a follower of accounts, because I follow lots of accounts as well, like I don't know, thousands of them. I, I get bored easily. Like there's nothing wrong with someone who's, you know, telling you about a dish or anything, but there's something wrong with someone who's not being honest about a dish or like being honest about who they are. Sure. And yeah, and I think being genuine is really important, right? And I think I alluded to it in the beginning, but I felt like I had a very cookie cutter page uh, when I first started, right? Like really just descriptive of this is what I ate, this is where I got it, this is how much it was, whatever it was, right? So for me, it was really, again, transitioning and thinking about there are so many different food accounts, mm -hmm. right? How do you separate yourself? How do you, you know, how do you stand out? And really it's the people behind that, right? Mm -hmm. So showcasing more of that personality. And I will say that the, you know, the persona that I have online is a very much exaggerated version of who I am in person, right? Is but it? I, <laughs> is to it? a certain extent, right? Like there, there's definitely a lot of truths to what I put out too. And I mean, I just, I like to have fun, right? I don't mm -hmm. take many things seriously. And for me, it's like, you know, old age of saying sex sells, right? In that sense, like I am very vulgar. I kind of push the limits to, you know, especially with my captions, right? Like some of the things that I say, it's very, it's stupid, you know, but I like to have fun with it. And that's ultimately, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. No, I admire that. I mean, I think you and I get the same thing. It's, it's a little controversial. You know, it's, it's sort of a love-hate sort of thing. There's very few people that, that don't have an opinion about us, right? They sure. have an opinion, sure. for sure. And so I enjoy that. Again, you know, I get bored looking at accounts where it's just like the same old thing. I love bubble tea, but I don't think I need to see another picture <laughs> of bubble tea ever. <laughs> right. You know? Um, so you've kind of 
given a lot of nuggets and of wisdom in, in the past couple of minutes. But thinking about the next generation of Instagram foodies, I mean, definitely I've noticed a certain character to them, and certainly there's a lot of them. But if you had a piece of advice to offer, what would it be? Right. And I mean, and I think about it even just like within our own group of, you know, Seattle foodies, right? We're all going to the same events. We're all shooting the same things. And Seattle is not big, but at the same time, there is a lot of opportunity for everyone to be successful and for everyone to grow, right? But it's your own unique perspective on certain things. And that's where I've, again, kind of pushed the envelope on mine, right? Because you and I, we have very similar content. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody else in the food game is going to have similar content mm -hmm. because there's only so many restaurants, right? And it's really just, I think for me, it's, I got to a point where like, I was stressing over things so much Right. And like really anal about I have to post exactly at this time. I have to, you know, make sure that like my engagement is good. If it's not, then I'm all disappointed and stressed out. Right. And it's really just taking a step back from that and, you know, just realizing that it's not that serious <laughs> first off, right? And having fun with it, right? Like having fun with it, enjoying the process and enjoying the journey of, you know, whatever your goals are, right? And just, you know, for me, again, it was really just a way to, to meet people and connect mm -hmm. with people, right? So the, the fame or whatever it is you want to call it wasn't the, the goal. It was really just how Honey, I don't think I said right? you were famous. So, I'm not saying I am My own account says I'm not an influencer or a foodie because that's bull****. <laughs> right? So, again, just being unique in your own voice, mm -hmm. having fun with it, and going from there. No, I think that's really great advice. I mean, sometimes new influencers reach out to me and they're always looking for a shortcut and I'm just like, look, here's the deal. There's absolutely no shortcut to hard work. Like you can buy followers and then you have the consequences of that where there's actually no true engagement. 10,000 followers is not helpful if really 200 people are engaging with you because that's your actual core. Right. And so you might as well be honest about that. Yeah. Um, I think it's different if you're a business and you're buying followers so that you can have swipe up you know, technology or like whatever it is. Um, but I think a business and a personal is a little bit different. Right, and I think even to that point, when I was managing so many different restaurant accounts as well, like having a high number of followers is great because mm -hmm. there's whatever it is, right? But I was thinking about conversion or how that actually affects that person's right. bottom line, right? And having fake followers or followers from California or New York or wherever, right? Like how does that actually drive business mm -hmm. to your, your restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. So having a more localized approach for businesses, I thought always made more sense. But to your point, you know, having fake followers and fake engagement or whatever it is, it's, mm -hmm. you know, no one really cares at the end of the day. But, yeah, you know. no, people are just making whatever decisions are right for them. Um, what, what I'd like to see is, like, businesses be better able to identify influencers who have fake followers. Only because, again, if your goal is to influence the local food scene and to have, drive people to your restaurant, they aren't going to be doing that if their followers aren't here. Right. You know, and so that's a really interesting thing. Um, anything else you want to say to the new generation of foodies? I mean... From the OG. To, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to like be a little bit PG-13 in mm -hmm. the way that I talk because I cuss a lot, right? So first off... You already did, so I just thought that was in the, to bleep it. <laughs> so first off, I don't think I'm hot <laughs> I don't think anybody's hot <laughs> right? Like, I don't think, regardless of however many followers you have, you know, just stay grounded, stay humble. And like, mm -hmm. really for me, it was always about the community and, and shining a spotlight you know, on restaurants that didn't typically have a marketing budget to, to be able to showcase food. So my scene was always, you know, the mom and dad's, the hole in the walls, and those are the places that I enjoyed going. But, you know, again, just, you know, just staying humble because, again, at the end of the day, none of this really, like, it's not life-changing. No, not, and know. it could be gone in a day. Yeah. So. You know, we could just wake up tomorrow, it could just be gone, or we could just decide it's not what we want to do anymore with our right. lives, for real. Right. 
Okay, so you already just started talking about it, like mom and pops, but what are your for some of your favorite places in Seattle to grab a meal? Panda Express. Yeah, I love orange Panda chicken. <laughs> orange chicken. I'm like, that's so. In all seriousness, <laughs> I do love Panda Express. There's something about it, you know, that that's a conversation for later. <laughs> some of my favorite spots. So Pork Chop and Co is one of my mm -hmm. favorite brunch spots up in Ballard. Um, Ding Felder's Deli. Uh, Jewish Deli over in Capitol Hill. I think they have one of the best sandwiches here in Seattle. Of course, I have to give a shout out to Forelay as well. I think Young is a great dude. He puts out good food. We have another pop-up coming up soon, so shameless plug there. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, honestly. If you go, I mean, I'm thinking about Seattle proper and kind of outside of Seattle. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the places that I always enjoyed uh, was down in Kent with Saya. They do some really good food, nice little family-owned joint. Mm -hmm. I mean, the list really goes on and on. I think asking favorite restaurant has always been one of the toughest questions for me to answer, just because my mood changes, and it all depends on what I'm feeling at the moment. Oh, for sure. I totally agree with that, which is why it's not favorite restaurant. It's like some of your favorite places to yeah, grab yeah, a yeah. meal. For sure. But in terms of plugging, so um, do you have a date and details on your uh, pop-up with Young? Yeah. Feel free. So uh, I don't have the date just mm -hmm. yet, but we're actually going to be working with CEO Dad and doing a dinner and a DJ. Okay, great. Uh, it'll be at the end of September. Uh, the date is escaping me, but more details on that soon. Okay, so we'll be sure to track that. Um, and see <laughs> Dad, they've got Sundays going on with lemonade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lemonade's a lot of fun. I yeah. mean, I haven't been this year, if I'm being honest, but day shift back in mm -hmm. the day and then lemonade i mean that was frequent pretty much every sunday i was mm -hmm. there yeah okay ken so we know that your instagram is active so you can say where people can find you there but um do you post content on any other platform website anything i mean i have a twitter and a facebook but i wouldn't say that's the primary focus okay. i had a blog at some point the website's still up but i think i took most of that content down well it still um, does say that you are an influencer yeah, on your website yeah, <laughs> Had to take that down yeah i just i'm personally not a fan of the term influencer mm -hmm. or foodie for that matter mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of negative connotations associated with it i agree so if you could rebrand it what would it be called or now i'm just a regular ass dude that happens to take pictures of food <laughs> <laughs> that's like a law <laughs> yeah that's, that's exactly what it is regular ass people but yeah okay well if i had to bring i just say com ken's complicated yeah <laughs> complicated so is the rest of my life Okay, so Instagram at Feed the Pudge on Instagram. Yep. That's where you can find Ken. Yeah, slide into my DMs. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And that's our interview with at Feed the Pudge, also known as Ken Tran. Uh, Nelson, you know, this was a really fun interview because I think that uh, Ken and I got to talk about a lot of things that, you know, when we first met, we probably wouldn't have talked about, you know, it was just a really casual relationship. But I feel like the topics that we discussed were, were pretty important ones. And his perspective is really interesting. Yeah, I think it's great to see how you guys are talking about growing on Instagram and how he started from the beginning and how he got up to now where he is. It's truly interesting to see how everybody grows. On, mm -hmm. on Instagram in general, like w whether you have like a food account or whatever it is. I just like getting people's perspective. Mm -hmm. Me um, too. Ken's a really great guy. And yeah, he's, he's just really fun to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right, Monica, we are pretty much done for this episode. What do you got going on before you head back up to Seattle? 
Well, I'm going to finish packing really quick, drop my luggage, and then I'm headed for my final Feast Portland event, which is Brunch Village. And we all know how much I love brunch, so I'm totally excited. That's crazy. Is it going to be as big as that night market that you that you showed us? I think so. Um, you know, what's really nice is that it's moved around a bunch of different venues. I mean, the big feast is on the waterfront, but all the rest have been all over um, different parts of town. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize how big Feast Portland was until you started covering it. I thought it was like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be at this convention center or it's going to be at an exhibition hall. No, it is literally taken over all of Portland. It is crazy. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, I've never experienced anything like it, and it's it's been really hard for just me to cover. So, um, you know, totally missing you down here. Oh, I'm sorry, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time I'll be able to join you next time. I know. I've been up to like one and two o'clock in the morning, like working on content. Uh, yeah. But at least you got to eat so much good food. You even got to go outside of Feast and got to check out like Canard or, and as well as Pock Pock, some other favorite places. I was like, oh man, that sounds like fun. Maybe I'll head down to Portland next weekend. <laughs> I know. We just had to squeeze in some of our favorites. As you know, stuff is down here. Um, so just a couple of our favorites and, um, that's, that's the most we had time for really. That's it. Well, it looks like fun and uh, I can't wait for you to come back and tell us all about the recap. And mm -hmm. I think I can't wait to hear about it. All right, Monica. Well, let's end it there. So you can head out to brunch and I can head out as well. Plus it's football day. So <laughs> my, my special day is today. So <laughs> my special football day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't forget, every week for the next 17 weeks. Is it's 16 weeks, I'm counting. 16 now, 16 now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's end it right there. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, and happy eating, Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at SeattleFoodiePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.